0: Welcome back everyone. I'm here with Iris Benson, MBE, who is talking at the event today. Hi Iris, how are you doing?
1: I'm fine, thank you.
0: So tell us a little bit about what you're going to be saying at this event today in Leeds.
1: Well, first of all, I want to say thank you. Uh, Thank you to all the staff and all our people in our care for trying to make a difference um, to how we are looking at reducing restrictive practices. So that's the first thing I want to say a big thank you because it's a lot of hard work going on. Um, and also, the, I have no educational background, I'm not clever, um, but I have a passion for people and their care. And I will be sharing today a little about what restraint feels like, but also to say this was a long time ago. Um, my last admission was six years ago, which is really lovely to think about because it means things have become different for me. And I want that to happen for others if we can.
0: So we should say up front to put a trigger warning on this because obviously you're going to be saying some things here that may be distressing for people. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, tell us a bit about your experience of being in in inpatient care and being restrained.
1: So first of all, let me say that we've all got lived experience. Our staff have got lived experience. That's why we put a clear trauma warning out before I ever speak because I am going to speak today about what it feels like to be restrained. Um, but also to say that it's we have to be incredibly realistic that sometimes I need to be restrained from me because I'm so ill at when I am very poorly I'm not in your world anymore I'm back in a, a world that was so different from today and I'm very frightened so when I'm restrained usually it's because I want to go home and I want to leave the ward and staff have to stop me doing that because I'm not safe to do that. There are lots of other reasons that people get restrained, very unnecessary reasons which is why we're looking at how we can do things very differently. So if you restrain me on my back or my front, I've been raped in that way from a very (coughs) early age till in my teenage years. If you didn't know my background, which was often the case, people didn't know my background, then that would happen because they assumed I was just trying to abscond. I wasn't. I wanted to go home because when I was at home, I knew what to do, what to say, how to behave to keep myself safe. So, um, yes, I did want to go home to the abusers, but at the end of the day... As long as I did as I was told, I was okay, I was safe. It's not the same now, um, and I understand that. So I've got a real lot of insight into my illness, which is, well, I've got that many. I could probably have them initialed after my names and look very clever, and I'm not. So if you abbreviated all my diagnosis, it would look quite good on a CV. Um, But I have got a label of PD, personality disorder disorder. Emotionally unstable personality disorder, so emotional is okay, unstable is not particularly useful when you're on a ward, so I change language all the time. But I've also got a diagnosis more fitting with me called DID, which is Dissociated Identity Disorder. Um, So I can dissociate because of a trigger, so working hard now on trauma-informed care, not just for people like me, but for our staff too. So use my lived experience in that way but being mindful that whenever I speak there could be people in that room that will would be triggered by this so we have to support them but we also have to support staff too, you know, um, they're people too and often we think more about, well I've noticed over with lots of years it's been concentrated on service users and that's fine because they're in our care but we also have to think that if we don't look after our staff they could become service users too but to also remind people that there is some barbaric misuse of restraint. Um, And we have to make and help and enable our staff to feel safe enough to say, because if we don't, we're not going to stop this. They've got to feel safe too.
0: Yeah. I've spoken to a few people here today and they've kind of used this concept of appropriate restraint and inappropriate restraint. And I'm... fascinated by your kind of description saying you felt that it was the right thing to do sometimes for you, Is that, was that always the case or do you feel that you've ever been inappropriately restrained?
1: Absolutely, yeah um, and, I, and I'm not going to get into the blaming game for that because we didn't have the knowledge and skills we have now, there are lots of other things we can do and there's lots of other people we can that can support us to reduce restraint, so thinking about um Every person on the ward, so our allied health professionals who are OTs, every other discipline in our care can offer support. Um, So I've got physical disability and mental health, but at the end of the day my physical disabilities have been ignored because I've had mental health, so I might not have had my stroke if people had listened to why I was falling over and not blaming my self-interest behaviour. Telling me things like, Don't throw yourself at the wall, Iris will give you. Um, You're getting enough attention because I've got that horrible label of PD. So I'm attention seeking, narcissistic, manipulative. Possibly, I think we've all got traits of that. We have to be careful what we're blaming people for. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got a long way to go, but you know what? I've seen such. So many lovely things happening for people now, and we need to just build on them now. I think, and today, the research for me is critical. When we build up the data and the evidence to say what works, then we can help our staff believe in it. And we've got to get the biggest thing for me, I think, at the moment is if I had a pound for every time a member of staff says to me, We need the time to do all these and implement all these things, I'd be very rich.
0: So restrictive practices is a bit of a weird technical mental health phrase, isn't it? I guess it's important that we describe what that actually means, because we've we've spoken a bit about physical restraint, um, but I suppose there's other aspects to it as well, Um, forcing medication on people, secluding them, I suppose also actually threatening restraint or threatening those other things, the kind of psychological aspects of it. Tell us a bit about your experience of that broad area.
1: Well, I've been medicated to the hilt over years. I, mean, I think I've had every every single medication. I think one of the staff referred to the amount of medication I was on as my dinner. So, um, thinking about the side effects of medication that they can also exacerbate your mental health condition. So thinking about self harm, some of the antipsychotics, um, can make your self injurious behaviour worse and your voices worse. Um seclusion what is seclusion We have to think about what it is and what it does if you lock me in a room then you're going to come into a total emotional physical destroyed person um because i was locked in rooms when i was little so if you lock the door that recreates another thing and so and you're going to recreate something even worse where i'm more likely to be restrained again um and injected um Thankfully, that was quite a long time ago. I mean, I've been in services since I was early 20s. I'm 62 now, and I think that's where my passion lies. I don't want to see other people um, having to go through that, and hopefully we are making enormous changes, yeah.
0: Thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, Really looking forward to hearing how people respond to what you say here today, and, yeah, keep up the amazing work. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much.